All right, welcome to week 113 of the Two Guys Into Fridays podcast. My name is Steven. I, th- I feel like I'm going to lose my voice already just talking. <laughs> uh, that over there is Travis with the voice that sounds fine right now. It'll. It, we'll see how it is by the end of this. Uh, we are a TGIF podcast. We go back, we watch we all the shows that aired on TGIF 30 years after they aired. And uh, put you on the spot, Travis. When, when did these episodes air? November 15th, 1991. And uh, looking back at things that were going on in the world that week, November 12th, 1991, was the 100th episode of a show that we used to talk about a lot, Full House. Full House? Good for them. Congratulations. And what did they do on their 100th episode? They uh, Went to Hawaii. They added a couple characters. The, the twins were born that episode. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Nikki, Nikki and... Uh, what was the other kid's name? Dickie? Nikki? No, Mickey? that wasn't their name. No, that's baby talk. I don't know. I'm not gonna remember right now. Um, they were Greek that's names, cool. that's... right? Like Nick is a Greek name. Nikki and John or George or Greg. It's one of those. No. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm looking it up because we should know this. And uh, no, we, we don't. We don't watch non-TGIF shows. Nikki and Alex. Oh yeah, Alex. I I have a cousin named Alec, not Alex though. Okay. But Nikki's, a, you're telling me Nikki is a good Greek name. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, all right. Uh, what about movies, music? What was number one this week? Yeah, so uh, music is is Cream by Prince and the New Power Generation. Okay. Um, not a Prince song that I'm very familiar with, but good for Prince. Um, and then the, the movie is Curly Sue. Uh, I don't know if you remember Curly Sue, right? Yeah. Of course. Uh, Allison Porter is currently, I think, isn't she like on one of those like talent shows, like like The Voice or America's Got Talent as a contestant recently? Oh, but I don't know. I think I think she was. I know that she does. I know that she does like like music. I'm I'm, I'm looking it up right now because I obviously have. Is, that, in front of is me. the dad one of the Belushi's? Yeah, Jim Belushi. Jim Belushi. Uh, she was. She was on the 20, 2016 season of The Voice. No. Oh. Uh, and they're like, they like turn she, around, they're like, we loved you. And she's like, guess what? I'm Curly Sue. I'm Curly Sue. It looks like she, did she win? No way. Hold on. Uh, okay, I'd be result. surprised if she even made it onto the show. Winner. I think she won. No, she didn't. <laughs> Curly Sue won the voice. Yep, she won. She won season 10, 2016. What? She was the winner of, of The Voice in, in 2016. Is that even fair? Sure, why not? I don't know. I don't know. Another cool thing about so Curly weird. Sue that Does she I have an have album no now? Idea. Yeah, she's got like a couple, I think. She's got, yeah, a few albums. She's got three albums, got an EP, got a, got a you know, a voice. She's on The Voice. What's her real name? Allison Porter. All right. Allison. And it's spelled A-L-I-S-A-N. So I, I assume it's pronounced Allison. But I don't know. Is that an anagram uh, for like Satan or something? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. Um, but Curly Sue is also the very first time we the world was introduced to Steve Carell, who was in the. Oh. Uh, uh, he had a role that lasted like thirty seconds, okay. but it was it was Steve Carell's very first on screen role. Acting role. Yep. So good. Good for Steve Carell. Yeah, he's doing all right. Uh, he's done pretty well with his career, as well as Allison Porter. Uh, any birthdays this week? No birthdays, no birthdays. But before we get into the shows, we got to do all the other stuff. Too, I know. Right? I, I'm going out of order, but I got it ready to you go. Are. Thanks all to right. uh, cool, cool. El Noir for the theme song this week. Pretty cool Sorry, version. I had to cough. Um, Thank you. Appreciate it. And uh, make sure you're following us on all social media at TGIFCast. You can go to our YouTube page and subscribe. Two guys into Fridays. And if you've got an email to send to us with uh, questions or tips or things we got wrong, which never happens, uh, tgifcast at gmail.com. That's the email address. We got a message from Luis over the week talking about uh, Sasha Sasha uh, Mitchell. Did you you saw that right? Yeah. That I didn't realize that because last remember last week's episode Step by Step was the they had a, the big fight scene. You had said something about um, his voice, and he's like, you know, that's because he's on steroids, right? No, I said because he was huge. Because I, I didn't realize that that Sasha Mitchell was really into martial arts and, and steroids. The, well, whatever. I don't care. Uh, the video that we said. I mean, he's jacked. He's like a big dude. But yeah, what steroids I was will was, do that. Right, right, right. But what I was saying about his voice is that he just sounds like Cody. Like he is. He like, still sounds like Cody, right? 
I think they, I think, I, I don't think he does a voice for Cody. Obviously, I don't think he's as, as stupid as Cody, but I think that the voice is his voice and the laugh is definitely his laugh. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's huge. He's a big dude. He could, he could probably take all those guys in a real fight. Uh, yeah, I, I believe that. Yeah. All but, right. So thanks, Luis. Keep sending us the good stuff. Yeah, we like it. Um, what else? You want to get into the episodes? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so we're starting off with our 8 o'clock slot, Family Matters. This is Season 3, Episode 9. The name of the episode is Born to be Mild. And it's, it starts off uh, at Rachel's place. Is this a different exterior for Rachel's place? Like the, the It looked a little different for me. For some I reason. don't think so, but no. I do want to say that I think it's hilarious that last week I was complaining about how Rachel is like not getting any screen time and like doesn't is just getting these like kind yeah. of really like, really like one dimensional roles. But if you think about it, it's more the restaurant than her. She doesn't do a whole lot in this episode. She's, but they give her more to do in this episode yeah, than they yeah. have been, which is funny because last week I was complaining that. They just forgot about it. Yeah, her. it's not like she's on Judy's level or anything like that. No, not yet. All right. So it starts off. We're at Rachel's place. Um, Urkel's there. Laura's there. They're both working. He's complimenting her scent. And she's like, yeah, it's uh, it's meatloaf or sweet and sour meatloaf. And then uh, yeah. then we get introduced pretty quickly to the dragons. The dragons. The dragons look like they are the local Chicago uh, gang, um, I guess. Um I'm guessing they're the, the Chicago the, equivalent of the Crips, pretty much. The dragons wouldn't last a minute in Chicago. Whoa, really? In real Chicago, real Chicago, the dragons would be. They probably are at Rachel's place because they got laughed out of every other turf war by all the other gangs. Okay, well, we do start getting uh, introduced to some characters from the dragons a little bit, but um, starts off the dragons come in. Um, they push a guy. They're like demanding a table from Steve Urkel. Um, they call him a geek. They're like table for seven geek. And then, uh, Urkel's like not taking it from the start. He's like, that's Mr. Geek to you. So like, yeah, he never we're does. already he setting does. up where he's not backing up from these guys. Right. And I, and I think it's important to note too, that like pretty much everybody else leaves the restaurant except for the family members. So like Eddie and Waldo and, and obviously Laura. Yeah. And but, they kind uh, of like, um, they kind of put the theme song in the middle of this scene. So like they go yeah, to the theme, yeah, yeah. it comes back. We see Rachel's place again. That's where I wrote down. It looked like a different exterior, but uh, this is where we start getting introduced to people. There's a giant guy. He's like, um, I don't know, probably 350 pounds and six Big dude, foot huge. something. Yeah. His name's Osgood. And uh, Steve immediately starts teasing Osgood, which is hilarious. Calls him a duck. Um, they end up throwing Steve on the ground. And then uh, this is where the rest of the family starts getting in on things. Eddie comes over. He tells him, get out of there. Get out of the restaurant. We don't want your kind here. Laura comes over. Um, then we get introduced to another character named Chain. And he's named Chain because he's wearing a chain, if you didn't figure that out. <laughs> Very literal. He seems to be the, like the leader of the group. He's kind of in charge of the dragons. Yeah, and he immediately like starts trying to hit on uh, Laura, but she's not having it. Um, he's like trying to ask her out, and she's saying no. And then, like, she kind of, like, pushes him away. And then he tries, like, one more time. And then Steve Urkel actually just smacks his hand, which is pretty Well, hilarious. he smacks his hand because he keeps, like, touching her, too. He's, like, touching her face. And, like, and she's, like, don't touch me. Stay away. So um, then they, th I think, chain, like, throws Steve into Osgood. And uh, Steve gets out of the way, backs up, rolls up his sleeves, and gets in, like, the Steve Urkel fighting position. Like, he's ready to right. fight all of the dragons right now. He'll take him on. Steve does not back down. Never. So, Osgood picks him up, hangs him up on the coat rack. Rachel comes out from the back, kicks all the dragons out. Well, tries to, but they start tries breaking, to. breaking stuff. Like, Chain picks up, like, a glass, slams it on the ground. Well, it's like a whole milkshake. Like, it's a f glass filled with a milkshake, so it's not just, like, breaking a glass, but just creating a huge mess. Yeah, and then they get ready to, like, start trashing the place. Like, they're going to start throwing tables and stuff. But as this happens, Carl Winslow somehow knew what was going on. He comes in in uniform and kicks in uniform. all the dragons out of the place. Yep, tells him never to come back. He's and like, the, the, did you break this glass? Pay for it now. And, like, Chain's like, <laughs> give her money. And then, yeah, the dragons are kicked out. Yep, all it takes is one cop and the, and the dragons fold. So that's it. I'm sure we'll never see the dragons ever again. Nope, resolved. The so we go back to the Winslow house. Um, Laura and Rachel and Steve are all there. They're kind of telling the rest of the family like what happened at Rachel's place. The phone rings. I think Harriet answers it. We don't hear the conversation, but we kind of know what's going on. She's talking to Carl. 
And we find out as she tells the family and Rachel that uh, the dragons have come back and they've trashed Rachel's place. It's I mean, it's it's destroyed and they've done and there's like graffiti everywhere. Everything's broken, smashed. It's 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 in bad. One step away from just burning the place down. Yeah, Carl's like apologizing that he didn't do more than he could, and he says he can't. He can arrest them, like he can do that. But the problem is, it's not going to do any good because, like, they're all just going to say that they were doing something else, and there's not really any witnesses. Like, they don't have a way yeah. to prove that it was the dragons, even though there's a giant like dragon spray painted <laughs> on the scurvy. wall there. Like, that's but, not enough. But he's right, though. I mean, they'll just say, "Well, yeah, because Urkel could have spray painted that. that." You know, well, anybody could have done it. All right. But uh, so that's not that's not proof that you can't pin that on a person. You can say the dragons did that, but who did that? You can't. You can't. What if you compare that. that dragon to another dragon that the dragons have spray painted somewhere? I think it'd be tough. Yeah, I think I think, think I think it'd be tough. Up. I don't. If you were on the jury, you would not side with Rachel's place at that point. I, there wouldn't be enough evidence on it for a person. Like obviously, I would be like the dragons probably did this, but I can't say that chain did that graffiti or chain was there when it happened if you've got 10 other people saying he wasn't obviously though he probably wasn't. what if he left his chain on the table mm. like does it have chain engraved no, on the chain no it's just a chain I mean that I feel like we're going in the right direction and then chain's like it's not my chain but for some reason he's not wearing a chain his name's chain and he doesn't have a chain on at that point oh man I don't know that'd be tough it's like I mean, where's your that. chain well left it at grandma's house yep maybe all right, so this is where the problems really start happening, though, because as they're talking about everything that's going on, Eddie comes in, and Eddie is bruised and bloodied. His face looks like it's just been kicked in by a dragon, which we find out is exactly <laughs> what happened, because uh, as Eddie was walking home from a date, he was jumped by all of the dragons, and they beat him up. And this, to me, sets up a big, like, well, wh why are we about to have the second half of this show? What do you want to happen right here? Well, I mean, what's okay? So let's let's talk about what the plan is. Let's go on. At, we we had a commercial break. We come back and and what's the plan here now? What are we doing? What after all this fighting stuff? It was there yeah, a commercial yeah, yes. break right there. Well, uh, yeah, there's a commercial break and then and then and then they start right, talking so I wrote about down how the like, beat them up. Rachel and Laura are cleaning. Carl gets mad, and this is where Carl's yeah. like, "I want revenge on the dragons." Right. 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 He's right. like. I'm going to go beat him up because they beat up my son. He doesn't say that, but I mean, that's what he wants to do. But he pretty like, much says that. Yeah. Steve's like, you can't do that, Carl. Uh, you can't lose your job on this. Like, we have to do this the right way and make sure that you don't get in trouble when you do it. Right. So Steve has a plan. And to prove, has a plan. to prove that it was the dragons, he wants Carl to wire him up. He's going to infiltrate the dragons and he's going to get proof that the dragons not only beat up Eddie Winslow, but also destroyed Rachel's place in the process. So here's my problem. Okay. So the whole reason they're going undercover is to get evidence that the dragons did this because they're, they, they say that if they try to accuse the dragons, the dragons will say that wasn't them because there's no witnesses. Uh -huh. But now we have Eddie Winslow who was beat up by the dragons and is a witness to the fact that he was beat up by the dragons. How do you prove that though? Test it's the same thing. Well, he can t but, but he is a witness. He can testify on his own behalf that he, like okay. on who, who committed it. Whereas there's nobody that was a witness to them destroying. Like, the are they going to put like chain and Steve Urkel and like Waldo in a lineup? And he was like, it's chain. He did it. He beat me up. No, he doesn't have to be, but he knows who chain is. He can say it was chain. And then he just got to, you know, in court convince the jury that he's telling the truth, but at least he can say, that person beat me up as opposed to the fact that no one can say chain did that, you know, did that graffiti at Rachel's place. Why doesn't Rachel's place have any security cameras in that place? Like it's not 1991. I probably was but not they as had easy security cameras in 91. They did, but it was probably a lot more expensive and not as, not as she didn't, it's, it, she didn't think it's there was going to be any problems at her restaurant. So she's like, I don't need one. That's also probably true. I mean, it's a, it's a family restaurant. They sell milkshakes. It's not like it's a, it's not like it's Jake's place. The one down the street from here. No, the one the one that they went to on step by step last week. Oh yeah, the bar, right? Was the that called bar. Jake's Place? I think the place down the street from here is called Jake's Place. Oh yeah, I'm, I, the place I went to. I've been there a couple of times. I don't know what you're talking about. I think, I think you're it's right, just Jake's. That's why. Whatever. I got confused. Jake's. Whatever. There's Jake's. a place literally a half mile from our house. That's I know we've been there. We've named been there. Jake's Place and they sell barbecue. <laughs> you know what I mean. All right, so wire me up. Steve's going in. He wants to get the evidence. So. 
We go back to the Winslow's house. Steve is getting wired. Murtaugh's there for some reason because I guess they're going to work as a team to get this all done. Because I'm really just going to sign a contract for a certain amount of episodes, so they got to figure out a way to put him in every episode. Yeah, I guess so. So Carl is trying to talk Steve out of it. He's like, it's too dangerous, Steve. You can't do it. And then Murtaugh comes over. He's got like a blueprint of, I don't know, the warehouse or like the street or something, a map. And he's like, all right, we're going to go over the plans. We're going to go over here. We're going to park by this brown lake. And and Carl's (laughs) like, that's not a brown lake. That's a coffee stain. He's like, don't try to talk to me in front of the little one or something like that. And then Steve stands up and he's like, I'm ready. Let's do this. Send me in. Call me the Erk man. (laughs) This is ridiculous. All of it. I mean, not all of it. It starts strong and then it gets ridiculous. All right, so then we go to, I mean, I guess you call it the dragon's hideout. It's like a, it's a room. Hideout. It's a yeah, it's their, it's their lair. It's got a dragon spray painted on the wall that looks a lot like the one at Rachel's place. Um, exactly, like the one. It's got, I don't know, trash on the ground, a couple tables. There's a, there's a lot maybe. of, what, what what you see is a lot of stuff that, that I think the implication is they've stolen. So like a lot of boxes that appear to be electronics and like things that appear that they have stolen like any good gang in the 90s would have done. Yeah. So Chain starts off. He's yelling at the group. He's like, group, we need to vote and we need to make a decision. Do you guys want to go to the movies and rob them? Or do you guys want to go bowling and rob them? And I think bowling wins for some reason. Okay. So I took that as, do you want to go bowling and then rob, like go robbing? Like like they're going to go bowl and nah, then go rob, rob people. bowling alley. But you're thinking they're going to rob the bowling alley or the movie theater. I think the movie theater probably has more money in the cash register. I think those are bigger targets than Rachel's place. I think that's more of a, I mean, there's a lot more people around. I don't know. Both of those seem like bad ideas. It's dark in a movie theater. You could just like walk around to people and be like, you're very quiet. I'm going to take your wallet right now. Or you just like reach under the seats and be like, all right, here's a purse. Here's a purse. Yeah, maybe. Bowling alley too. You got to take off your shoes. They might just be stealing some shoes. Well, well, yeah, I guess you people don't pay attention to their shoes too much. No, not at all. No. So it's like Jordans and like, you know, stocking up. I don't like know. just just first edition Jordans from everybody. Yeah, 91. Yeah. Those are the expensive ones. Right. Well, now. Yeah. All right. So Steve then enters the hideout and uh, Steve is dressed. Has he dressed like this in another episode or am I just thinking of like Michelle? Tanner? <sighs> he might have dressed like this in the pool episode, but. I oh, don't yeah. remember. So he's got um, leather like biker gear on. He's got like a earring. cross earring and like he's dressed like he wants to join this gang. And that's exactly what he tells him. He's like, guys, I'm here to join the dragons. That thing that you saw me at Rachel's place, that's just my daytime job. This is what I do at night. Goes and like rips, just starts like ripping things up, rips yeah, up a bag just, of, of like Cheetos. Yeah, he's like, oh, just get angry sometimes. And like they're back. Totally up, believable. Like, they're a little scared of him at some points during this. I think they're a little confused by him. Definitely, Chain knows what's going on. Like, Chain might be the only kind of smart one in this group because he's like, what are, you, what, are you, what are you doing, Steve Urkel? That's fair. Um, but yeah, that's he fair. tells them at nighttime, I'm the Urk man, which is what he told Carl to call him. And, uh, uh, he's acting crazy, like we said. He even starts talking about like his life. Like he said, "I'm so crazy that when I was born, I shot the doctor. <laughs> I shot the doctor." And uh, he does his own dental work. He tells him, which uh, like Osgood is like, "Whoa, that's pretty serious." <laughs> and then, uh, and he doesn't rewind his videos. If you didn't know that, uh, how does that make you feel as somebody who used to work at Blockbuster? Um, we had DVDs. Okay. They, now I'm trying to remember. Did we have any VHS? No, it was just DVDs. No, just DVDs. And one more thing. He's also a black belt and he like does some poses and stuff and kicks, I think. All right. All right. So then we go to a scene where we realize that Carl and Murtaugh are outside. They're in a van. They're listening to Steve Urkel. Like the plan is when I guess the dragons say something, Steve Urkel is going to call them in. They're going to come save the day, arrest the dragons, right. blah, blah, blah. All right. But Murtaugh's not... Pretty standard wire stuff. Yeah, yeah. Pretty Mur- standard Murtaugh's psycho. not really paying a lot of attention. Like he, Never is. And he's not paying attention because he got these uh, trick handcuffs. And he puts them on and he's like telling uh, Carl about it. He's like, yeah, they're trick handcuffs. Like, uh, you don't need a key. All you do is tap them on the side. And he like locks up Carl at this point too. And then they open up. Uh, and just so we're clear, when you say he puts them on and he locks up Carl as well, he, he has handcuffed himself. To Carl. Carl. Yeah. So one hand is on Murdoch. One hand is on Carl. He locks him. 
He taps them to open them up, but the problem is they don't open up. They don't open. And when he taps them, though, he like slams their hands on the on the counter. Yeah. So they're stuck in these handcuffs. So we're gonna have to deal with that at some point in this episode. So we go back to uh, the hideout. Steve's trying to uh, get the information out that he needs now, and his target is Osgood because he thinks Osgood's gonna give him everything he wants. So he starts complimenting. Uh, the spray paint that's on the wall, and Osgood immediately admits to immediately. not only painting the one on the wall there, but then also admitting to the one at Rachel's place, and also admitting to uh, smashing up all of Rachel's place, and admitting to beating up Eddie Winslow. Like he's Osgood got everything he needs. Bills immediately. He is the worst gang member you can have. I mean, he's a big dude. Except if he that he's huge. Learn to, he's, he's yeah. If he would three just of those gang shut, members combined. Yeah, if he could keep his mouth shut, he'd be the best gang member you could have. But. He spills everything. Yeah, so Chain comes over. He starts questioning Urkel. He's like, something's not right. Like, I think you might be wired. And Urkel's like, well, uh, yeah, I am wired. And the cops are listening, and they're coming in right now. And the problem is, uh, we know Carl Murtaugh are stuck to each other wearing these handcuffs. Yeah. They're not going to be able to save Steve Urkel, but they end up going in anyways, cuffed together. And... Uh, Come in, pull out their. I think they pull out their guns, right? Yeah, they do. They, they, yeah, do. they both come in with their guns out. Yeah, and, uh, and they're doing these like weird shuffle around. I don't know why they felt the need to do that. Um, <laughs> Rather than just but, no, just, just no, walk. No, the reason they're shuffling around is because they don't want to be embarrassed by anyone seeing them wearing the handcuffs. That's the problem. But still, you could like you hide your hands, with without, hands without doing like a sure, like sure. a side side step gallop. It looks like they're riding like hobby horses or or something. So yeah, they're there. They save the day. They uh, kick all the dragons out of their hangout. Steve's mad because it took him so long, and uh, the dragons listen to the cops who they probably could have just outrun or something. Right. Well, there's like eight of them. There's two cops, but granted, they're the cops both together. have guns. <laughs> they're ha- but yeah, they're they're obviously something's up, and they're just like. All right, we'll go outside. And Carl, they, yeah, Carl trusts them enough to like, all right, you guys go outside. We're right behind right. you. <laughs> I will say this, though. Carl does say something that made it a little bit redeeming. And the okay. fact he's like, go outside and the cops outside will take care of you. Uh, so okay. he does make it sound like there's more backup there. But it's so still a really. If like, that was the case, wouldn't you send in the other cops that are not handcuffed together? <laughs> instead to of in? the two guys that are handcuffed together? Probably. Unless they were also hiding it from the cops outside, so they weren't embarrassed in front of the cops that they work with. All right, so uh, I think one or two final scenes. They go uh, to a scene at Rachel's place. Um, the family's there. Carl's toasting uh, for Rachel's place being back opened. And, their insurance uh, adjuster worked quick and got them paid out on all yeah, their loss. So good job, good uh, nationwide, probably. And then uh, Rachel probably. thanks everyone there for uh helping her out for cleaning for getting it back up and then carl has one more toast for steve urkel for helping save the day and then um steve uh points out to everyone well guess what there's a new uh urkel sandwich on the menu and what was it wasn't it something well laura, laura it says exactly what it is she says okay. yeah it's a hero sandwich but it's mostly baloney and then that's, that's right. the end of the episode so that's of right. course you got to cut down steve urkel after saving everything calling him baloney pretty much eh, whatever but yeah it was fun wasn't my favorite i mean there were parts of this that i i liked but generally like it just was kind of kind of hokey all right uh <laughs> step by step season one episode nine this is called into the woods um it starts off we've got a uh, frank trying to call a family meeting um the kids are hoping that the announcement is that the uh, parents are getting divorced, but it's not. He does announce, though, that he has planned a camping trip and uh, everyone's going to go. Of course, his kids are all excited. Carol's kids couldn't think of something they would want to do less than that. N- not just Carol's kids, but Carol. the, all the Fosters. Yeah, Carol herself is like, I have no interest in this whatsoever. Yeah, and he's trying to encourage everyone, trying to get him excited, saying it's going to be great. It's going to be fun. It's so beautiful out there. You're going to um, love Dead Man's Clearing. Yeah, Dead Man's Clearing is the name of his place. And uh, Dana is, like, trying to decline for the entire family, but Carol is like, no, we need to go. We need to do things with them. And then she's like, uh, tells Frank, well, if we go with you to this, then you just have to go with me to the opera. And he's like, oh, I love that Luciano pepperoni guy anyways. <laughs> That's where we're setting That's- up this episode. We got a camping trip coming We're going up. camping. Yep. We're going camping. So after the theme song, so... <laughs> Every time I watch it now with the fake mark on there, did you re- have you watch? Have you like paid attention to it the last couple of times no, you watch it? No, I, I mean I they saw even it, dressed I, them exactly alike. So Mark and they? fake Mark are both wearing. Well, I'm sure um, it's the same clothes. It's probably gray hoodie, the, yellow shirt underneath. Yeah. 
It's probably from the same wardrobe rack. They were probably just grab the clothes of that other kid wore, put them on. It's so funny every time I watch it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't pay, I don't notice it All after right. I saw it the first time. So after the theme, we've come into the kitchen with Penny, Ivy, and JT. J- Cody. No, Cody was in there. Um, Cody is like comparing grapes to M and M's, and like hoping that one day they make some grapes with nuts in the middle of it. And he's like, his comparison is pretty good though. It's like bite size, doesn't melt. You know, it was pretty pretty one's solid. A candy, comparison. one's a fruit. Oh, sweet. Um, he's like eating them out of like a tube though, right? Like shoving them in like a plastic pipe and like shooting them and eating them or something. Not at first, but then eventually that's kind of where it, where it goes to is he's putting them in this like plastic, P- not PVC, but like yeah, bendable PVC, tube. Right? No, I think it's like a bendy tube. It's like like a rubberized. Tube. I don't know. Oh, it doesn't they don't have flexible PVC. It's not called the same thing. I don't know. I don't think that's the same thing. I don't know. But anyways, he's putting in the tube and like, it's like sucking him into his mouth and yeah. like shooting him. Yeah. So, um, He's doing that. Uh, Carol is about to leave for this trip. We find out she's getting like the last of her things together. And uh, she's there to uh, kind of run through procedures with Penny of like what to do while she's gone. That kind of thing. And yeah, because Penny's house is house sitting. And then um, Cody is uh, telling Carol like how jealous he is that they're going on this camera trip because he's not going. But he remembers all the times that he went and all of the... Uh, the snakes and the bear trap that he got caught in and all the leeches and everything. And this is making Carol yeah. even more weary of going on this trip. Specifically at Dead Man's Clearing. Yeah, the exact place they're going. Yeah. So then we go into the living room. Frank and his kids are finishing packing up. Karen comes down. She's got a couple like big suitcases. He's like, well, we're only going for three days. You don't need all those clothes. And she's like, clothes? These are just my cosmetics. And then uh, <laughs> My clothes are already in the car. Yeah. So Dana and uh, Mark are trying to, like, bring a bunch of stuff on the trip, too, that Frank isn't having, like, CDs well, like, vi- video, yeah, games, video games, all stuff. that kind of thing. He's like, no, we don't need any of that out there. We're, Do you think we're- Mark is bringing a Game Boy, a Game Gear, or a, a Tiger, a, tiger a Handheld Electronics? Game Boy. Classic Game, game Boy, Boy, for sure. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Um, Tetris. So- Tetris, not Dr. Mario. We're going Tetris over Dr. I don't Mario. Know the, I, I feel like we might be a little bit early for Dr. Mario, but okay. but sure. If, if Dr. Mario is out there, he's, he's bringing that. Too. All right. So he's like, yeah, we're roughing it out there. We don't need any of this stuff. We do all, we make all of our own food and like uh, everything we well, catch. That's also Carol comes in and she's got a whole cooler packed with like, she made pretty like much a giant homemade gourmet soup food. or something. Yeah. Like, yeah, she's got all kinds of stuff. So Frank, um, is like, no, we're doing it my way. So they all go off. We're now heading to the campsite. So the next scene is them arriving at the campsite. Frank is like, so yeah. I immediately thought of going places and the fact that the first episode that we see Chris Castillo, 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 Mark, uh, in going places is the, the camping episode. And so I went back and I tried to compare to see if these were the same sets. Okay. And I don't think they were, oh. but they might've just rearranged like some trees and rocks and sticks, but yeah. you know. I just thought of the same episode because he was. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. So we're arriving at the campsite now. Frank is trying to get everyone excited. Karen actually seems like she's having a good time. She's like, look at this rock I found. I can use it as a ped- pedicure yeah. stand. Like, it's going to be awesome. And he's like, where'd you get that rock from? She's like, oh, it was right there under your tire. And then he's like, oh, no. And then the truck rolls into the lake. And you see, it's it's a pretty funny up, like shot because they show like a truck. Upside down truck. Like, upside sinking. down in a lake. Yeah. yeah. So we got a problem here. Um, Frank, uh, probably commercial break where we come back. Frank is now coming back from the lake. He's like, yep, we're stranded. Uh, Trucks in six feet of water. And, uh, you know, I'm not worried, though, because the ranger comes around every six days or every week, once a week. And uh, he'll probably be here within the next six days. And uh, we'll be fine. It might just be a little longer, but we'll be fine. Would that solution be okay for you if you're trying to go camping? No. No, I wouldn't be like, we'll just wait six days and be fine. I, I mean, be, obviously right, there's guys, a road. It's 20 miles. Let's start walking now. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, Frank is like, no, we'll, we'll be fine. He uh, goes off with the kids to uh, find some food for the night. That's his plan. Yep. So it's nighttime now. Um, they're cooking over like an open fire. Mark's scared at like every single sound that happens. There's like an owl and crickets. And he's like, haven't you ever been in the forest at night? And he's like, I've never been anywhere at night. And uh, Frank starts serving food to everyone. His kids are excited. Carol and her kids are not excited. They're like, not even going to touch it. Uh, Karen is kind of 
over to the side, the side and yeah. she uh, pulls out a Snickers from her pocket or something and she starts trying to eat it. But Dana and Mark smell it and quickly attack her and try to take it from her. <laughs> Carol's like, no, give me that. And like, then she starts to try to eat it. So it's a mess. And we're only on day one right now. Day one, yeah. It's, what it's, could be up to six nightmare. days. So, I, <laughs> yeah. Um, we go back to the house. Uh, Cody and Penny are in the kitchen and Cody's eating ice cream in a way that I've never seen anyone do before, but I appreciated it. So I, I agree. I had never seen anybody do this before, but as like somebody who was eating ice cream solo out of the, out of the container, I, I, I didn't think it was a bad idea. Yeah. I mean, so what he's doing is taking the lid off of like the pint or the quart or whatever it is of ice cream, flipping it upside down and using that as the bowl to eat the ice cream, yeah, right? Sure. If it's not? one person, you just, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe you just eat it out of the container. But if you have more than one person, you need to share. Like one person can eat out of the container, and one person can eat out of this bowl. Or if you, or, or if so other people are going to eat it later, you don't want to put the same spoon back in. Is that what you're thinking? No, here's my, here's my thought. Here's my thought on this: is that it wasn't like a single serving, you know? No, no, no. Of ice. I think it was, it was like, like a it was like half a half pint. Pint or no, not a half right. pint, half quart. Half quart. You're right. You're right. So his thing is like, I'm gonna eat half all gallon. of this ice cream eventually. But I'm just going to eat some of it now and then I'll save the rest for later. So why get a bowl dirty or a plate dirty when I can just scoop some onto the lid, eat it, put the lid back on, eat the rest some other time? Um, why not just eat it out of the container, though? Um, I don't know. You got I still me. liked it. I like I've never seen anyone use the top as a bowl. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was I thought it was innovative. All right, so he's eating ice cream, but he's eating it way too fast. He's getting a brain freeze. She's like, well, you don't have to eat it that fast. You won't get a brain freeze, but then I won't get a brain freeze. He's like, he wants the brain freeze, yeah. yeah. So um, Ivy's worried, though, because everyone should have been home already at this point. Right, we've gotten to the point where they should be back. They're not, and so the family is starting to worry. Yeah, and um, Cody thinks that they could be in trouble, and he's like, all right, I'm going to go find them. So he's... Hopping in his van, and he's going to head out to uh, Dead, Dead Man's, Man's Clearing and uh, see if he can find the Fosters and the Lamberts. So this is the second week in a row that Cody has stopped what he's doing to go save the day. But this week, unlike last week, we never see Cody again. <laughs> Do we not? Is he not nope. in the rest of the set? Okay. Not at all. He he has, there's, they don't even show him like 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 walking around I the woods. I think you're wrong. Form. Yeah, you're wrong. He's in there again. No, he's not. We'll get to it. All right. Okay. So um, he's heading out and we go to the next the morning, campsite. I guess, back at the campsite. Uh, Frank wakes up and uh, I don't know where I'm at. Uh, so so Frank wakes up and basically Carol Carol is, gets up and she's just pissed. She's mad. She's a mess. Dana comes out. Or excuse me. Uh, Karen comes in. She's a mess. First thing I like, all I can think yeah, of is like, like they have like these... dirt smeared all over their faces. Like, yeah, it's like reason. what happened to these people that they are so like rolling around in the mud after four days? I mean, I when I when we went to the gathering of the juggalos, <laughs> I didn't shower for like three or four days, and I was nowhere near as dirty as these people who have just been camping for a couple days. Yeah, I made the mistake and showered, and then got Bell's palsy from the shower. Uh, showering was one of the worst mistakes I made at the gathering of the juggalos. Oh, so you well. did do it at the very end. I did it like two days before. Should we describe these showers like real days? quick? Should, I don't know if it's appropriate. Um, yeah, it's appropriate. So they're portable sure. showers. They're like a porta potty with a shower inside of it, pretty much. Well, there were no porta. There were no. There were no toilets. It was no. just like portable showers. Yeah, I mean, like if you imagine a porta potty, but instead of the toilet being in there, there's a drain on the bottom and there's a shower. Well, they were they were in trailers. They were in trailers. Okay, and the problem is though is I guess they hadn't emptied it or it didn't drain out to the outside. It didn't drain. It wasn't, they weren't And draining. you were standing in water that everyone in this gross place had been, then that had used as their shower water and it was up to your knees pretty much. Because, because there was like a, it was almost like a, a small bath wall in the shower. So it was about two, two and a half feet of, the grossest standing water. I don't know how I didn't get like some kind of like infection on my feet or anything from. I didn't get in the water. I stood in the because there in the hallway. Well, there was like a dipping your head over. Each little space had like a dressing area, like a and then the the shower. So you could go in. You had a place to like you know take take clothes off, change whatever, and then you get into the actual like shower space with with this gross water. So I just stood in the changing area Uh and like used the water to clean myself. Kind of. Yeah, and then and that's why I didn't get Bell's palsy. Um, <laughs> but 
but what I, the, the reason that it was a bad idea was because like, like the three days leading up to it, I was just kind of getting like a little bit gross, but not like too bad. As soon as I showered, I was like fresh and clean again. And I immediately felt disgusting as soon as I walked outside <laughs> because because I was I was infinitely cleaner. I was infinitely. No, I was infinitely cleaner than anything else that was around me. So I everything just felt, else around you just felt that much dirtier. Exactly. Exactly. I wish right. I had just not showered for the whole what, five days. Six so, days. yeah, everyone's dirty. They look like they were just at the Gathering of the Juggalos. And, no, uh, they looked like they, they were at, like worse than the Gathering of the Juggalos. Whatever, whatever's worse than Gathering of the Juggalos. I don't know what that is. but doesn't exist. Okay. Um, so, had a good time. I did enjoy the Gathering of the Juggalos. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> Family. <laughs> Family. Um, so, yeah, she's on, Carol's mad because Frank woke her up. And Frank's trying <coughs> to encourage her. All right, let's let's uh, let's go for a walk in the woods. And then... I, did I, I swear I wrote Horny Frank down somewhere in here because he's trying to get her to go have sex with him in the woods and then uh, trying to go get her naked in the in the lake and take a bath in the with lake. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, no, none of this. I'm done with this. And she tells Frank she hates camping. And then I think she goes back in the tent and Dana comes over. And uh, it's Karen. Karen. Karen comes over. Yeah, I was like mad at not having a stringent, but it's Karen. She's mad. Karen. She's running out of her like skin, her skin routine or whatever. Yeah. So then we go to a scene where Dana is off in the woods and she's leaving. She's going to go try to find the ranger station on her own. But JT's there, stops her and says, yeah, my dad told me you'd probably try to do something like this. So it's my job to keep you from uh, wandering off 20 miles and going anywhere. Well, well, the other point, too, that he's trying to make is that it, there's bears and animals and dangerous things yeah, out in the woods. And, and if she's going to be. Yeah, he, I mean, it's it's there's good intentions here. It's not just like, hey, we got to be we got to rough it more until time comes. But he's trying to, like, make sure she's safe. Yep. And then they hear a bear. <laughs> of course. And uh, comes towards them. And like, we think they're probably just going to die and th- the show's going to be over forever. But no, Frank comes in. <laughs> he's there to save him. He doesn't hear see the bear at first, but then he sees it. And he's like, you guys go back to the campsite. I'll stay here and I'll deal with this bear. So they run off. He's there with the bear, and uh, he throws the Snickers bar that Karen had earlier at the bear, and runs off and saves the day. I guess. Yeah, I was gonna. I was wondering if we were gonna see this bear in any other shows like this week or maybe next week, because typically, normally, you know, normally when there's animals on set, we yeah. see. But then I was thinking they might have just used like because there was donkeys and and uh, and goats and stuff in the next Perfect Strangers episode, so maybe they just brought some other barnyard animals for, for the other shows. Yeah. And I mean, they also could have used it on the like a uh, hundredth episode of full house with like the twins being born. And then there's like a bear there for some reason. They could have, I didn't watch it though. Yeah. I didn't either. All right. So back to the house, everyone's magically home. Uh, Karen looks in the mirror and screams after she sees how dirty she is. Uh, the Lamberts of course had a good time. None of this phased them at all, but Frank tries to talk to Carol and she says that she's never going camping again. And she actually also learned at this trip that maybe they don't have to do everything together. Like his family can like some right. things that her family doesn't like and it's okay. And he's like, oh, I'm so excited. I, did, I so didn't want to go to that opera. So it's all <laughs> fine. And she's like, oh, you're going to that. And you're not only are you going, it's a 12-hour opera festival. And then, uh, then we get Horny Carol and she's there and she's like um, – uh, if you'd like to discuss this any further, we can talk about it in the shower. And he's like, oh, 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 and then runs upstairs. And that's it. Except during the credits, we get a scene with Cody. Oh, I must have missed it. Cody's there sitting like on a log talking to the bear that, <laughs> that was in the episode earlier. And he's like, so uh, have you seen any of these people like Karen? And she looks like this and Dana. And like, have you seen any of them? Like he's just talking to the bear, trying to find the family. I totally missed it. It was funny. All right. I'm mad that I missed it. I'm mad that I, I don't know what happened. I must have had something to do. I probably I had a meeting know. to get to or something. Yeah, it's fine. Whatever. So uh, then we get a Perfect Strangers. This is season seven, episode nine. This is the uh, continuation of last week's episode. It's called Citizenship Part Two. And it does start off like they do pretty well with these like um, reminders of what happened in part yeah, one. Yeah, it's like a short last week on. Yeah, and just so everyone remembers, uh, Balky's mom came to Chicago to see him, what she thought was getting her driver's li- his driver's license, but it turned out it was a citizenship. Then she gets mad and says he needs to come back to me, Bos, or... She doesn't say that. She doesn't say that. Well, she hands, she hands him, him the, the chicken claw. Chicken, chicken claw plate. that's missing a toe, which he knows means that he's going to be disowned if he doesn't go back to me, Bos. Right, right. 
And then at the very end of last week's episode, um, Larry's like, I'm going back. I'm going to Meepos. I'm getting Balky and I'm bringing him back to Chicago. So it's coming home. That's where we start off. Uh, after the theme song, we get to um, a shot of like a big jet, like a plane. And then they show a shot of a smaller plane. And then they show a shot of a boat. And then they show a shot of a smaller boat. Just all the <laughs> things that uh, Larry had to take to get the Meepos. And then we get to, to Meepos. Meepos yeah. So Meepos. Meepos is nice. It's like a nice village on top of a hill on, a, on an island. Yeah. Um, there's sheep everywhere. We see like the town of like people like selling stuff. We do see Balky, who's dressed in a Chicago Cubs shirt. And then we see Larry arriving, who quickly finds Balky selling hot dogs uh, in the middle of their little like town square, I guess. Yeah, Larry's all disheveled. He looks like he's been camping with the Lamberts. Yeah, he really does. And um, Larry tells Balky that he came all the way here to try to talk to Mama because he wants to bring Balky back to Chicago. And Balky's yep. like, there's no way Mama's going to do it. She uh, doesn't want to, she, I mean, it's not going to happen, but you're going to have to wait a week because she's at this like chili cook-off women's convention thing. And, yeah, it's uh, a women's group, conscience raising group and chili cook-off. And it's all the way on the other side of the island. So we can't right. go there. We got to wait a week for her to get home. But uh, you can stay with me at mama's house until uh, we figure it all out. Yeah. And Larry's like, I took two weeks off. That's nope, cool. No I got problem. All the time. Yeah. All the time I need. Um, then like a townsperson comes in ringing a bell and everyone starts pulling out blankets and pillows and we find out that it's nap time. I mean, they, Meepos just has nap time where the guy rings the bell and t- lets everyone know it's time to take their nap. I'm cool with that. It's like siesta. I'd be totally into this if it was a real thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, so everyone starts napping except Larry and Balky. They stay up and they talk for a little bit. Balky's talking about how he misses America and Larry says, no matter what, I'm taking you back. And Balky tells Larry, oh, this is where I think he actually tells him, well, just stay with me at Mama's house till uh, she yeah. gets back. And you can try, but I don't know what's going to happen. So we then go five days later. Um, Balky's making breakfast. He's got like uh, fresh laid eggs that he's got a little contraption for. Remind well, there's like a, the, the implication is there's a chicken in a box and he pulls a string and the chicken lays an egg. Yeah, he actually talks to the chicken. I think it kind of reminds me of like uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, like Pee Wee's. It's very for some it's reason. Definitely got that feel to it, where it's kind of like kind of odd contraptions that that make sense for the person using them. So I also put a note here too that it's interesting that Balky is dressed very Americanized, while Larry is now wearing like traditional Meposian gear. Like they're kind yeah. of like traded places here. Very much so. Yeah, it's like a, definitely a role switch on on who's wearing what. So. so Larry comes in. He was outside early in the morning. He tells Balky how he loves it here. He loves how happy everyone is. He feels like everyone's kind of living stress-free. And uh, he is really starting to feel at home in Meepos. Like, he's really enjoying it. And uh, Larry tells Balky, you know what? I think I want to stay in Meepos. I think uh, I think I belong here. He does. And there's a, part, a, a, a whole thing he goes through where he's like, and the people in the streets, they just... I think they love me. I think the villagers really enjoy having me here. They just say, Larry, Larry, all the time. All I hear is Larry, Larry. And Balky's like, well, cousin, Larry, Larry in Meepos means sheep cross, crossing. Watch where you're stepping. He's yeah. <laughs> so, like, that's fine. It's, it's, so, it's so kind. I'm glad they're watching out for me. Larry tells Balky he's going to quit his job. He's going to tell Jennifer to move there. And uh, he even rips up his return flight ticket to Chicago and says, uh, I'm here to stay. So do you think this is a strategy or do you think that Larry oh. gen- genuinely like no, is into I this? I think genuine. Yeah. I okay. Think he's, okay. He's been transformed. Okay. So then we go several days later. As we're the, uh, there's one thing too that he's doing while he's talking about all this, which I thought was kind of interesting. He's making a, making himself coffee, but the way he's doing it, he's instead of putting it in like a coffee cup, it's in this big pot, like bowl. And so he pours in the coffee, he pours in the creamer, he pours in the sugar. And then the funny part of the end is that Balky tells him that that's the, the goat's water bowl. But just like thinking that he's going to drink this coffee out of this kind of giant bowl is, was pretty funny. Yeah. And then tell us what happens uh, several days later. So several days later, uh, we come in. Larry is soaking his feet. We find out that he was a grape crusher, but got fired because he wasn't very good at it and drank too much wine. But his feet are like stained red. So... Um, he's also been having other things happen to him. He, he tried to do sheep herding, but a wolf ate all of his sheep. So the, I think there's some people in the village that are pretty upset 
with him about that. So Didn't Larry, he joke, he's point, like, I never thought there would actually be a wolf in sheep's clothing or something like that. <laughs> right. He, he does. He does. So after all of these kind of like things that have happened, Larry has decided that he is he's going to go back to Chicago. Um, he's also been like getting fired from all of his jobs, right? Well, yeah, like I said, he got fired from the grape crusher because he was drinking too much wine. And obviously he wasn't going to get any, anywhere with the, the whole sheep herding, given that he lost his entire flock. So Balky says um, that this is all a sign, right? Like he needs yeah. to be in Chicago. And Larry says, um, I think Larry's like, all right, I'm going to get you back there or something like that. And then Balky's like, um, I'd love to go. But like I said, you still have to convince Mama. Yeah. And uh, Larry still thinks he can. And then at this point, we hear the sound of Mama. Mama's walk- a coming. Walking up the house, singing. I What song was she singing? Did you write down? I can't remember what she was singing. Was it Hot Time in the City? I don't know. Like, I don't remember. I can't remember either. I think it was like. She's singing some like American, like 90s. I think it's like. Hot, I, I want to say, I don't know if the name of the song is like Hot Time in the City, but the song that opens up Die Hard 3. Um, so what? you don't remember that? You don't remember the opening of Die Hard 3? I don't. Did it come out in 1991? Um, or did you just watch all the Die Hard movies? No, no. Uh, no. I I watched all the Die Hard movies recently. It's, you know, it's, it's like New York city. It's like a hundred degrees. There's a heat wave. Everyone's talking about the heat wave and then they're playing the song and there's the explosion. I remember the movie. Uh, I don't remember the song from the beginning of the movie. It's at the beginning of the movie. And then they blow up the subway underneath the federal reserve building in New York city. So mama walks in. And she's sad. She sees Larry and she kind of knows what's going on. She's like, All right, well, first her and Balky have like a conversation that is pretty much just all of me posting. Like we have no idea what they say, right? Hot Child in the City is the name of the, the song. So they have a conversation. But yes, you're right. We don't know. Balky leaves, leaving Larry and Mama behind to talk. You can kind of tell, though, the conversation is basically like, Larry or Balky, I need to talk to Larry. It almost sounds like she's telling him to go to his room, but like you said, he ends up going outside instead. So she starts off by like putting Larry in her lap and like force feeding him food. Like she's almost like trying to make it so he can't say what he actually wants to say, like doing a lot of things to distract him and keep him from uh, saying what we know is coming, that uh, he is there to try to bring Balky back to America. Right. And she's force feeding him the chili she made. At this at this retreat, and then makes him drink like yak juice or something to like, something count, like that, counteract yeah. the chili, and uh, she's like, "Are you here to bring Balky back?" And he's like, "Yes." I mean, and he's got everything he wants and loves back at home. He's got a job. He's got friends. He's got a girlfriend. And then she's like, "Who, Skinny Minnie?" <laughs> and she's like, <laughs> "Just please make sure that you uh, that you feed her for me, Larry, when you guys go back." But they're like, "Yeah, he's happy." And Mama knows it. Mama knows that Larry loves him and everyone back at home loves him. And she's like, if that's what's best for him, then everyone can be happy. I'll be happy that he's happy and we can do the dance of joy. And then they do the dance of joy. Balky comes in and uh, looks like everything's working out, right? Well, what does he say? He says this either means that I'm going back to Chicago or... Oh, I can't remember the other something thing. unrelated, like or you're trying to something like, to- yeah, step totally on my- a bug or something like that. Naposian, or- yeah. And I and I and I'm sorry. The name of that song is "Summer in the City," so I'm gonna get it right eventually. Okay. Uh so yeah, Balky came back in. Mama says him, "All right, it's it's time for you to go home, back to America." They hug. He thanks his mama. Um, dance of joy. Did we talk about that? They do the dance of joy. Larry and Mama. Yeah, yeah, they do the dance of joy. Ba- yeah, yeah, oh, that's right. That's right. Balky. Um, is trying to offer her to come back and live with them, but Larry's like behind Mama, like no, 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 don't, no, don't do it, don't, don't do say it. anything. And she's like, no, I can't go. I belong here in Meepos. So I don't know. Is that the last time we see Mama? I know there's only like a, a season and a half left, but uh, I'm guessing that that is the last time we see Mama. All right. So final scene back in Chicago. Uh, Larry, Jennifer, and Marianne are getting home. We know that Balky's behind them, that he has just gotten sworn in from to be an American citizen, but right. he is stopping at everything on the way in because it's the first time he's done all of these things as an American citizen. Like, check the mail as an American citizen, walk on the sidewalk as an American citizen, and then eventually we get to the point where he hugs all three of them for the first time as an American citizen, and that is where the episode ends. <laughs> 
my my favorite thing here was he tells them that he he lost his accent as soon as he became a citizen, yeah. even though they're like you still have your accent. Like should we tell him? Tell him? I'm like ah, oh, let's just wait till later. So yeah, yeah. That's uh, perfect strangers for the week. Last thing that we got to get through somehow is uh, baby talk. This is season <laughs> two, episode eight. The name of the episode is Teach Your Children. Um, this week's intro is Mickey and another baby playing the blues on a guitar and the baby tells Mickey to uh, stink, stick to Twinkle Twinkle and uh, that's kind of your opening. Yeah. This other baby did not look like they were interested at all but also the voice, I couldn't place it but the voice of this baby sounded really familiar. Yeah, I mean it's like an accent, like a fake accent. I don't know. I don't know. It sounded, it was a very familiar voice. I, I was trying to figure out if it was like a famous actor but couldn't do it. I messaged Tony Danza this week too. I was like, maybe we'll try to get him on again. But I, his, I, they, I mean, his people responded. They were very nice. They were just like not, not this interested. time or yeah. I, I want nothing to do with baby talk ever again. <laughs> please, please don't bring that up. All right. So we start off. Uh, we're at like a bookstore or a library. I don't know. It's a bookstore. bookstore. No, it's definitely a bookstore. Definitely um, a bookstore. Uh, Maggie's there. Mickey's there. And Maggie's mom's there. And they're like talking about books. And um, Maggie's mom is still trying to push this idea of you need to find a man. Mickey needs a father. You need a husband. And we need to find someone rich so he can take care of you. <laughs> exactly. Maggie's mom is not going to let it go. So um, her mom sees some guy on the other side of the book like shelf or something. He's like, well, she's like, what about that guy? Go talk to him. He's like, oh, he's cute. And like she goes over and talks to him. But he's kind of a mess. Like, um He's into a bunch well, of like weird stuff and like. So the 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 guy is is Patrick Warburton, who is you know putty on on Seinfeld and in a million other things. I'm pretty sure he was the Tick on the live version of the Tick, and he was in uh, the Hercules animated movie. I mean, he's in a ton of stuff. Um, but yeah, he uh, he goes on this whole spiel about how he he was raised by his mother, didn't have a father figure, so obviously Maggie's like, oh god. Um, cause that's the situation that the Mickey is in and how he, he reads self-help books to help him kind of to, I guess, get past that. Uh, and he's finally gotten comfortable to the point where he can go up to a woman and ask a woman if he can borrow her dress. And then he asks Maggie if he can borrow her dress. Yeah. So, and then he asks, and then he asks her out. She, she says no. She's not into it. She goes back over to her mom. Her mom's like, this is why I'm trying to get, to get you to marry a doctor. Right. So end of that scene we then go to um well, the, other, the other thing too that i really want it's not just like a doctor or a rich person that can take care of him but she's really pushing the idea of mickey needs a, a male role model in his life okay so back at um someone's apartment i don't know if it was Maggie. anita's we go to anita's apartment anita's apartment anita maggie you're talking about she's just telling her like what happened to the bookstore and everything and um Mickey and Danielle are listening in and like kind of commenting on it. And then Anita and Maggie continue to talk about finding her a husband, finding a man. And Anita right. says, she then like kind of side tracks and says, Hey, uh, Tony's trying out for junior baseball and, uh, I need to go to practice with him because, um, he's got these tryouts coming out. And, uh, if he makes it big, I got to make sure that he remembers me. So they go off, and Maggie's going to be watching Danielle. That's why I was confused whose apartment it was. So maybe it wasn't, maybe it wasn't Maggie's apartment. I know that they switched between apartments a couple times they in this do. episode. Yeah. So this might have been in Maggie's apartment, but you're right. In the, in the episode, Maggie's babysitting Danielle, and obviously Mickey's there too. Yep. So then we go to some other day, a few days later, later. maybe. Yep. Uh, Maggie comes out. She's wearing like a really nice dress. She's all ready to go out. James comes over tells her that she looks great and uh they joke about her still trying to find a man and she tells james um she starts like making comments about like how he needs to take better care of himself and uh i don't know well she goes on this whole spiel about how james is kind of mickey's only male role model yeah. but she wants to see james be she thinks james should be better should dress better act more act more adult i guess and really kind of messed up stuff like she she well she's more, like the the bookstore thing scared her i guess where she doesn't want uh she wants mickey to turn out the best he can possibly turn out and uh she fears that if james acts the way he does then mickey's not going to get like uh the way that she wants him to be. yeah she needs but she's someone. projecting all this on james like yeah, you yeah. need to change your life to be the ma the male role model for for my child that you babysit and he's just the super what does he have to do with anything yeah when and and that's the whole thing like james is there trying to watch the three stooges with mickey and like just hang out and have a good time and be 
Yeah, have fun with him. He's the super. He's the babysitter. He is not her boyfriend. He is not her husband. He is not Mickey's father. Like, maybe he yeah. would change. Like, I mean, that's maybe that's where the show is going. Like, they do get together and he starts changing. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if we'll ever know. All right. So then we go to uh, Maggie getting home like another day, or maybe from that date. Or no, no, it's that night. It's that night. Uh, oh yeah, because now James is like all dressed up, and he's got Mickey dressed up, and they're acting like they're like well, very. He proper. put on a tuxedo. He put on a tuxedo T-shirt. That's right. And um, but Mag- but Mickey is dressed in like a little suit with a little hat and looks real cute. And she's like, "All right, I'll stop like bugging you about all this stuff, but I'm just worried that um, Mickey just doesn't have a man in his life, and it's just worrying me." And, then, and so uh, it's your responsibility to be, be the man I want you to be for Mickey. So James uh, like calls her out on it and then gets mad and then and then leaves. So basically what happened last episode, but for a different reason. So then we go to Anita's apartment. She's watching Mickey now. And we find out, I mean, she's been watching Mickey for a few days because James isn't doing it. Maggie and James are still kind of like having this fight that's going on. We also find out Tony didn't make the baseball team. So he's all sad, like locked up in his room or something. And uh, for some reason, she mentions that she got a new uh, intercom baby monitor too. What- well, I think, I think, yeah, she's Maggie's got a new intercom for Mickey because I, I think it just helps her set up the rest of the episode. <laughs> well, set up the a yes, but also like I don't have a babysitter, so I need to find some time for myself. So I'll throw him in his room, have a have a intercom, go sit in the den. Yep. So then we go back over to Maggie's. Um, Tony shows up, Anita's kid, and he's still upset about things. And uh, he, he was hanging out in the hallway, but his mom said, don't go bother anyone. So he decides to go bother Maggie. And uh, Maggie- well, because evidently he was just making everybody sad in their apartment. He was just being really depressed and depressing everybody else around him. So she basically kicked him out of the apartment. Yeah, but then he's just going to go make Maggie sad, right? Like, it doesn't sure. make a lot of sense. So, like, she talks sure. to him for a little bit and uh, asks him, like, what else is he really good at? And uh, I don't know kind of a dumb conversation and then since he's she's like well go go talk to mickey in his room yeah well she because he's like i can turn my eyelids inside out and he's like do you want to see i can do that can you do that i don't know i I don't know if i've ever i've never tried but i don't i wouldn't i don't even know the the mechanics to make that work it's more painful now than it was when i was does it hurt a little bit yeah Yeah? i don't remember is it it because like your eyes are dry or do you like you're stretching your eyelid like what part of it hurts do you want me to do it real quick and remind myself what part hurts I mean, if you want to, I don't want, I don't want you to, I don't want you to hurt yourself. Take off my glasses. You're almost 40. So I grab my eyelash with my middle uh-huh. finger and my thumb, and then I pull on my eyelash until I can put my finger on the top of my eyelid. And then uh-huh. I push down on my eyelid towards my eyeball and then it flips inside out. Can you see it or no? Yeah, I can see it. I can see it. So does that hurt? It's uncomfortable. Like it's like now I've popped it back into normal place and it's still kind of just like, irritated kind of it doesn't hmm. last long maybe a minute or something gotcha interesting so yeah that's good to know um maggie didn't want to see it though maggie didn't want to see it sends him to go talk to mickey and then uh james comes over right yeah he's so wait, james comes because he's basically bringing a bunch of toys to maggie that were mickey's so because now he's no longer babysitting mickey it's, it's kind of like a breakup moment when it's like here's all your stuff take it back um and then what happens and so and then maggie's like okay and so she sends him back to mickey's room to go drop the toys off that's right uh walks in there and he as he walks in tony is talking to mickey about how he's a failure and that you know he's basically giving him the whole spiel of like i didn't make the team i feel like a failure yeah and james james has like interesting like ways to deal with like problems like this and i don't know he does he does he's like well are you mad at yourself because you weren't good enough to make the team? And he's like, you just need to play better is what he tells him. Well, he does. He says, you know, he says, were you good enough? And, and Tony was like, no, not really. And so, yeah, he, he kind of turns it back on him to say like, what, what do we, how do we, how do you get better? How do you overcome this, this failure? And then he says like something like, I like to go to the gym and uh, yeah, this was a weird shift. I thought, I like to go to the gym, hit a punching bag if I'm ever like upset or something like that. Here, you need to try it too. And he grabs like a, one of uh, Mickey's teddy bears. He's like, punch it. And then like Tony kind of like hits it like lightly. And he's like, no, nah, like do it for real. And then like he gets into it and he's like, hit it harder. And then like it makes Tony feel better. 
Yeah, I mean, Tony was he was like well on his way to having Tony in a good spot just by kind of talking to him. And then he's like, let's get violent. And during this whole time, too, Maggie is listening in because she's got that intercom, intercom in Mickey's yeah. room. And she's hearing the whole conversation that uh, James is having with Mickey. And like her eyes light up a little bit. She's like, maybe this guy is a good example. Maybe he is uh, like a good role model for Mickey. So Maggie's mom shows up at this point. Um, and Maggie starts um, asking her mom about her dad, right? Like, and what he was like yeah. when he grew up. Well, right, because and we kind of learned some stuff here. And essentially, the that it sounds like Maggie's dad was not necessarily the the greatest guy. It sounds like he had a gambling problem that led to some problems. But the conversation between her and her mom is, a, is that even though he wasn't a perfect guy, even though he had these kind of problems, he was still a really loving and caring father and a really good role model in raising Maggie. So, you know, and and that you know the, the parallel here is that while James isn't exactly what Maggie thinks is the perfect role model. He is a really good role model nonetheless. Yeah, so she goes back into uh, Mickey's bedroom to talk to James. Um, when she goes in there, James is, like, uh, playing baseball with Tony. Like, they're just, like, throwing, like, a little, I don't know, sock or something hitting yeah. across the room. Uh, Mickey's, like, standing up in his crib all excited. And uh, Tony's like, I got to go. And then she apologizes to James. And um, Maggie's like, I, I think you're a wonderful role model. And I really want Mickey to grow up to be like you are. And um, she's like, I really appreciate uh, how you helped out Tony. And uh, she confesses that she was listening to the whole thing through the baby monitor. And um, then James agrees. All right, I'll watch Mickey again. And then uh, Maggie and Mickey, or no, Maggie and James get in like a little pillow fight and like start hitting each other with like stuffed animals and stuff and kind of laugh towards the end of the episode. That's pretty much it. It's it's so annoying. Like this, their whole relationship is just the same thing every episode. They get in a fight. James is like, "I'm never, I'm never talking to you again." And then they're like, have these weird flirty moments that, that lead to nothing, or like it's almost like they don't even remember that these flirty moments happen between episodes. Like, I feel like it's, it's le- a, I feel like it is leading to something. I think they're building it up as much as they can, and then it is going. You to- would think, but every episode is like a reset. Like nothing that happens in a previous episode has any carry on so, like, there, there, there's no build up to the tension there's no build up to the flirting there's there's no like remembering that they had these like arguments that they overcame and now they're having another argument that they're going to overcome and then they're going to have another argument there's just no like progression it's just the same thing over and over and over so again. we've got about 15 episodes left i think of this Ugh, show god the show gets canceled after that so we probably won't have like an ending of what happens, but do you think the two of them get together in the next 15 episodes or no? Define get together. Cause they've been on a date. Um, like, uh, like official dating. Like there's no way they like, he like moves in with them in 15 episodes. No, like, like they are like dating Exclusive. boyfriend, girlfriend, possibly, maybe <laughs> I'd rather have seen her get with, with George Clooney. Yeah. Neither of them are great. I liked him better than I liked his character better than James's character. Yeah, I know you don't like Scott Bayo, but he's pretty good actor. I'm not. Yeah, as a, I, I do, I definitely don't mind him in the role of James. Um, but I did just like I, I mean, I liked I like George Clooney's character better than I like James. All right, so that's it for this week. Um, let's rank them real fast. They do go back to the two kids playing guitar. Oh, yeah, during the Very credits, important. and the other kid is like trying to steal the guitar from Mickey the whole time, and Mickey's like, "No, dude, this is my show." Uh, can you go first this week? I am not ready to rank. Uh, yeah, sure. So four, I'm gonna say going places. Baby um, talk. Sorry. Baby talk. You might have just cut out. So you're going four baby talk. I'm gonna jump in because I think you did cut out. So I'm gonna have four baby talk, three perfect strangers. It was fine. I this is a week where the division is between four and then three, two, and one are all pretty close for me. So I'm gonna go three perfect strangers, two step by step, and one family matters. I know you didn't really like family matters that much, um, but I liked it. So let's go with that. I'm gonna go family matters at number one. All right. So here's what I got. Baby talk at four. I'm gonna do. Family Matters at three, Perfect Strangers at two, and Step by Step at one. All right, yeah. So I, I, that's, that, that, I that's kind of what I figured you were going to do. I, I don't know. I like the perfect the, the Family Matters episode a lot, so that's why I put it at number one. 
I like the first half. I, I, I really enjoy, as odd as this might sound, like when they kind of tackle more serious things because yeah. I think they do it really well. But I just thought the second half was so ridiculous and like, and not in a good way. And like a, this is not even close to how any of this would happen. I was going to ask you, way. did you look up and see if any of like the dragons come back? Like, if we, do we see Osgood again ever? I, no, I mean, there, there's only two of them that are listed on IMDb and I, there's no indication that we uh, see them anymore. I want, I want more Osgood in my life. You want like three years later, they get out of jail and they come back like Sideshow Bob style. I guess they to, do get arrested probably right here, right? And go to jail. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, but they're probably all, well, I don't know. They they're the, they look older than 18, but, you know, they do a couple of years in, in, in prison, in jail, get out, come back to to get the revenge on the uh, on the Winslows. And, <laughs> and that would have been a great... That I just wanted great. Osgood to, like, be in their school and, like, just, like, kind of like a Waldo character. I mean, Waldo was a bad a bad dude for the first two seasons. Yeah. I mean, maybe. We'll see. Maybe we'll see him again, but right. I don't think that's the case. So, what do we got going on next week? Regular week? Yeah, next week is a regular week. So, let me pull it up. I just want to give you the numbers. Uh, Family Matters season three, episode ten, step by step. Season one, episode ten. Perfect Strangers season seven, episode nine, and Baby Talk season two, episode nine. Uh, thanks to El Noir for the theme song in this week. And, yeah, El Noir. Uh, thanks. That was great. Make sure you're following on us on all social media. It's EGIFcast, uh, YouTube, Two Guys in the Fridays, email TGIFcast at gmail.com. Yeah, and you can message us on Facebook, message us on Twitter. Yeah, whatever. we like all those things. So whatever's the easiest way to get a hold of us, just do it that way. We try to respond as quickly as possible, but, you know, we got stuff going on. So Cool. Looking forward to, uh, I think I saw a little sneak peek of uh, possibly what next week's... Uh, perfect strangers might be and we might get a holiday episode nice yeah i mean it's thanksgiving time i feel like family matters did i, I feel like they regularly did thanksgiving episodes on family matters so maybe we'll get something there too i don't know but yeah it's it's getting into holiday season so i'm sure we'll start seeing some stuff popping up awesome cool all right man well do you got anything else no that's it all right steve have a good week you got it dude it's friday night and i'm on this rock Gonna have some fun, show you how it's not DGIS. TBA Podcast.